Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, we are so excited to have some folks here from Energage. We have Doug Claffey, who is the CEO and founder, and Fraser Marlowe, who is the head of research. And they're going to be talking to us about what their company does to support employee wellness, engagement, and a great uh, organizational culture. So we are looking forward to asking them some questions and picking their brains. They're both experts on this topic. So let's start with having the both of you introduce yourselves um, just to give us kind of a high level of your background before we dive into some more meat into what Energage does. So Doug, do you want to start? Sure. So uh, Doug Claffey, I'm the CEO and founder of Energage. Prior to Energage, I started my career in rocket science. I was an aerospace engineer and then spent some time at McKinsey in their org practice and founded Energage just about 12 years ago uh, this month. Sounds like a really fun career trajectory, starting off as a rocket scientist. Yeah, I'm a little intimidated. <laughs> we have a rocket <laughs> scientist on the show. I don't know if we'll ever be able to say that sentence again, so that's awesome. <laughs> well, believe me, uh, when you're working with people, the rocket science tends to be the easy part. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, there's no that. straight equation for people. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, True. And so this is Fraser Marlowe. I'm the head of research at Energage. Um, I actually came up through the ranks of uh, uh, really product management, worked at General Electric for a number of years, and a bit like uh, Doug, developed a passion uh, for better understanding how teams work, uh, better understanding how people manage their careers, what really fuels people's passions in the workplace. Um, and so that led me on a career path towards leadership development, um, and ultimately towards uh, the topic of employee engagement and culture, which is what I get the pleasure of studying now every day. That sounds awesome. That's really, really cool. Um, and, you know, we're really happy to have you here because obviously you both care a lot about creating companies and driving companies that care about people that uh, take good care of their people and are fun, good places to work. So that's what we care a lot about too. So as soon as we heard about your mission, we knew that this would be a really great fit for us to have a, a really engaging and interesting conversation. So um, speaking of your mission and uh, the alignment that your all's vision and goals have with ours, um, Doug, as the CEO and the founder of Energage, could you tell us a little bit about the mission and what you do on a daily basis to create better company cultures? Sure. So our mission is to make the world a better place to work together. And we focus on people's time at work. And we find we spend an awful lot of our time at work. And so if we can make the world a better place to work together, that'll improve people's working lives. And then that has the benefits of spilling over into people's uh, lives at home with their families and with their communities. So in the end, it makes the world a better place uh, all around. And so that's been our mission really since uh, since we started the company. Yeah, we totally agree with that. Um, we have written that into our mission as well around how having a positive work environment and positive work life can also lead to a positive personal life. Um, so again, that alignment between our missions is is awesome. So Fraser, I wanted to ask you a little bit about some of the research that Energage does and what you're what you look at and what some of the most interesting findings are. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we're at a, a real transformational period uh, when it comes to the world of work. Um, on the one hand, organizations are really trying to figure out how to build um, uh, business models, which are going to be very, very efficient. Uh, when things are changing so rapidly, uh, organizations are looking to stay nimble. They're looking to bring in the right kind of talent 
to make to make their, their mission come to life. And at the same time, we have individuals in the workplace who are trying to figure out the new world of work. So when it comes to things like uh, career, uh, when it comes to things like uh, charting the path and developing your own skills. And so there's this great confluence right now of, of new business models emerging and a deeper understanding, certainly amongst executive teams, that what really fuels all of this uh, is culture. Um, so that's been the core of our research, is to understand what are the dynamics within the workplace uh, which allow you to really inspire performance and, and, uh, and uh, drive efficiency. Um, and uh, Doug, who uh, launched the organization, um, has you know, been, been behind this research really for those 12 years, uh, maybe talk to kind of some of the, the, the origins of the culture drivers that we've identified there. So when we started the company, we want to understand what drove a great workplace and a great culture. And so we tested hundreds of different uh, concepts and drivers of culture. And that was from both research and from uh, business literature and from our experiences at McKinsey. We also looked for those things that would make a difference in company results. And so we were able to, over time, narrow that down to 15 culture drivers um, and then there are some foundational items, things like pay and benefits, work-life balance, training uh, that support those culture drivers. But the, the areas that make the difference are, in the, it are split into four categories. One is around alignment. The second is around connection. The third is around coaching. And the fourth is around performance. And so that uh, we now have about half a billion data points that we've collected uh, to figure out what are the what are the drivers that make the biggest difference in uh, in culture and, and, and came down to those fifteen. So there are these fifteen drivers. Are those four areas that you mentioned sort of groupings of those drivers? Is that how that works? They kind of roll up into those four groupings that you mentioned, like the alignment, feedback, those sorts of things. Or is that are they two separate um, ways of organizing what creates a good culture? Yeah, you're exactly right. Those are four different groupings. Uh, we think of them as imperatives. So the first one is to align. And that one's a, the four elements of that are aligning around values, direction, so where you're headed, around having efficient meetings, so grouping, we have people working together, and then also strong interdepartmental cooperation. So that's the first one. Second one is, is around connecting. And so uh, employees want to need to feel appreciated. They need to find the work meaningful. And then employees would like leaders, their leaders to be clued in on what's really happening in the organization and feel clued in about important decisions that are being made about uh, the company's future. So that's the, the second one. Uh, coach is about managers caring about team members' concerns. It's about uh, supporting their career, to, uh, career growth and development. It's about being helpful and supporting their work. And it's about allowing people to live up to their full potential. And then the last one's about performing. And so those, there's three in there. It's open-mindedness uh, to, to uh, other ways of doing things. It's about innovation and it's about getting stuff done. It's about execution ultimately. So those are the, those are the 15 within those four imperatives. That's really cool. With those 15 and those four different imperatives, um, what would you say would be the most helpful for an employee to help create a positive work environment for themselves? Because I know a lot of those kind of roll up to what organizations and leaders should be doing? Is there anything you can think of that employees could do to impact their work life? Yeah, certainly in, in the current work environment, I think there is a, there's a bit of a driving philosophy 
that the organization really should step up and should help make employees engaged. Right? And there's all of this list of items that organizations tend to focus on. But I think it's a fair argument that if you, know, if you want to thrive in your career today, uh, individual employees also have to step up and take some accountability to, to become better informed and to participate in what's going on in, in, in the workplace around them. Um, so there's a certain expectation um, that is put on, on the employees to develop a bit more self-guidance around that. So certainly in terms of uh, participation and speaking up, um, that's something that you know, employees should be encouraged to do a lot more in terms of um, just stepping forwards um, and being well informed in what's going on inside the organization. Um, oftentimes we hear that a lot of resources and a lot of communication are put out there by the organization uh, and employees don't always take advantage of them. So there's certainly that aspect of participation that's just becoming more important. Yeah, so you need to kind of step up to the plate and take control of your career development. So it can't just be all about the organization uh, sort of creating this culture and putting that culture around you and you just sort of get uh, sucked into it <laughs> against your will. You have to be a willing participant. And part of that is that you uh, have to kind of step up to the plate and take some control over your own career development as well. Exactly. Both, both around career development and also in terms of decision making and participation. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm just thinking as an employee myself um, that we do get a lot of communication from the broader organization and it's so easy for people to just ignore it and you're getting all these resources, you're getting all this information and if you're not actively engaging with it, then you can't really complain yeah. that you're not getting communicated to about what's going on with the organization. If I could just add into that, if you think about those imperatives and those drivers, the typical way of thinking about it, as we said, is from the company's perspective and the company setting up an environment where people essentially choose to be engaged uh, or not. But in each of those areas, uh, alignment, you can certainly ask yourself the question, you know, am I aligned with where the company's going and how we're operating? Um, do I feel a sense of connection? Have I found my meaningfulness in my work? Um, if I'm not, if I haven't, if my manager's not coaching me, have I found somebody who's going to be my coach or a mentor? Have I asked, uh, have I reached out? Um, and so those, those three areas of align, connect and coach are all questions that employees can ask themselves. And they ultimately have a choice. Uh, each of us as employees has a choice as to whether we're going to, um, be passive and just kind of complain or whether we're going to do something about uh, lining up with where things are heading or ultimately if you know that workplace is not for 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 you then um, seek seek a, a workplace elsewhere where you can feel aligned and connected and where you've got a great coach and where you can really perform at your best yeah it seems like it might be kind of a delicate balance right between um, you know the responsibility that the company has to take for creating an environment where it would be easier for employees to feel engaged and that the culture is good. And also the balance between employees not looking for the organization to give them every single thing that you ha also have to take some control over your career um, and the decisions that you make about what organizations to be in or when to come forward to ask for feedback or when to approach your manager about taking on, um, you know, various opportunities or things of that nature. So um, it seems like there's kind of a balance that needs to be struck between companies can't allow employees to take all the responsibility for just creating this culture out of nothing um, and employees can't expect the company to go and do everything for them. 
And and I think you know part of that larger picture when you talk about individual well-being, um, we we really know the impact that workplace stress can have on an individual's health, and a lot of that really does come from uh, aspects of psychological trust um, and a sense of control over your own environment and your own destiny. Um, and I think oftentimes individual employees walk around with a sense. Um, that the organization has a plan that everything is figured out um, and that maybe there's some impending doom just waiting to be announced for them. When in reality, um, you know, the future is uncertain and it's uncertain from the leadership's perspective. It's uncertain from the individual employee's perspective. But if you are able to step up and take more control and be more part of the decision making, that actually gives you a much greater sense of autonomy and control, and it actually reduces the levels of stress that you're subjected to. And, and we see this when you study it kind of up the, up the ranks of the organization. And the greater the span of control you have, the, the more this sense of confidence in the future and the sense of being well-informed. Um, so you really see that in individual employees when they really do step up and they blossom within the organization. It's a great way of uh, advancing your own career uh, but it's also a great way of gaining more control over the environment around you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we talk a lot in so many of our episodes about autonomy and job control and how important that is for employees to feel happy in their job, satisfied in their work, um, and obviously impacting their stress and their mm -hmm. overall well-being. So I think that makes a lot of sense that um, employees need to you know, have take some control where they can. And obviously, I think the organization is the first place to start. The organization needs to be, you know, the leaders of the organization need to be cultivating a good culture. Um, but once you're in that culture, the employees need to come in and um, take control of what they can mm -hmm. to help them uh, drive their own well-being and their own um, careers as well. And, and I think that brings us to you know, the, what is the role really of leadership in, in setting up that environment in which employees can step up, right? Um, obviously, if you have a, um, a culture um, in, in which risk-taking is not encouraged, or a culture where people are afraid to speak up, you're not going to make much progress as an organization. But what we found in the research that we've done around the top workplaces, where we have studied over 50,000 of the leading organizations across the United States when it comes to the aspects of culture and employee engagement is that they are great at placing employees at the center of their thinking. So they really do view employees as being a, a core to delivering on the business strategy. Um, and for, with that as a starting point, what they will do is they will uh, establish connection across the organization. Um, they are going to help employees connect at scale, um, so connect with each other as a community also connect with the mission and the purpose uh, of what the organization is trying to accomplish. And then as, as Doug mentioned, then the, the organization will put in place the right structure to support and coach and develop those individuals. Um, but it really is a, a give and take. So as I mentioned, the, you have to set up an environment in which employees are going to be willing to step up, take that accountability and grow alongside with the organization. And that's really what, uh, what we see those leading workplace cultures doing today, not only in terms of creating a healthy uh, workplace where people want to come and want to participate, but also in ultimately delivering on the business results that they're trying to achieve. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because, you know, 
a lot of the folks that are listening may be in leadership roles. And I think it's arguable that, you know, there are more people who can take on leadership responsibilities than maybe have high status positions, let's say, but there's an ability to lead um, even on a team or um, even if you have a smaller span of control, a couple people, something like that, you can still think of yourself as a leader. And so part of that stepping up to the plate and taking control of situation, but it just has more influence, more impact uh, coming from leaders is creating that culture and who's responsible for creating the culture where employees can um, step up to the plate. And I think, you know, and just my experience in working within organizations, you see a lot of leaders that are, you know, complaining about they got stuck with this team, their team's no good, the people on their team aren't talented or whatever the case may be. And they don't realize that the common denominator between the fact that no one on their team can seem to get it right is that they're all on <laughs> the same team and the, and the leader may not be setting them up for success in the way that they should. So um, I think that's a really good point that, you know, part of this um, responsibility for culture um, it, yes, an individual contributor employee can take responsibility for how they react to that culture, take advantage of that culture, manage their career within that culture. But leaders are, are really responsible for taking control of that culture and creating the environment in which that's possible. And Fraser, I really liked your point too, about what's in it for the employer's sake, right? We really, employers care because it helps with their business goals and their business strategy. So maybe, um, Doug, could you elaborate a little bit on, what employers get out of making these cultures? So certainly one of the things they get is better business results. And we found that the top workplaces outperform the uh, average market by about 30% in terms of total, uh, to total, total investor return. Now, when you unpack the why of why they're, they're getting better returns, um, it falls into th three broad categories. One is around retention. So by creating great cultures um, and great workplaces, they're retaining their best people and the cost, they're not incurring the cost of replacing and training and upscaling and the lost knowledge. The second category is in recruiting. So the best source of leads tends to be referrals from existing employees. When you create a great culture, and you make it known out there, you're going to both attract more referrals from employees as well as to get uh, people coming in because of your culture and, and, and a better job applicant pool. And then the third one is around performance itself. So if people are getting up out of bed on Monday morning and excited to go to work and, and, and get to work, they're going to get a lot more accomplished Monday morning than somebody's dreading to go to work. And that spills out into you know, whatever productivity measures you look at, whether it's in a manufacturing plant, you know, what kind of, of uh, what you're getting out of the line, uh, if it's in sales, shows up in sales. If it's in um, customer success, it shows up in uh, customer satisfaction. So those three areas, broadly recruiting, or sorry, re retention, recruiting, and performance. And then within performance, it just depends on which, which way you're trying to perform. Yeah, that's really important, I think, because a lot of times people see investment in people or in culture as sort of separate from the business. And, you know, people are the business. Uh, there is no business unless there, unless you have some, you know, crazy business of the future where everything is, you know, run electronically or something like that. But for the <laughs> most part, uh, businesses 
basically are just groups of people getting things done. And so um, I think it's really important. And and your mission is certainly surrounding this idea that the business is people and uh, you can't do too much if you don't have a culture in which people are miserable. You know, if you have a culture where people are miserable or people don't want to work to their fullest potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and beyond, you know, Doug is very much talking in the commercial uh, space, but beyond that, in all types of organizations, we're seeing a much deeper understanding now of how people passion really fuels the positive outcomes that the organization is trying to pursue. So if you look in the healthcare space, for example, um, where you have a focus on the internal culture, you're seeing much better uh, patient outcomes. You're seeing lower readmission rates. Um, and so as we take that apart, we're really starting to understand back to those 15 drivers, what really matters to employees in that context in order to bring the best of themselves to work and deliver those better business results. And some of the case studies I really love is are the ones in education where you see complete turnarounds of uh, school systems, uh, colleges, um, because they started to put their employees first. Um, and that's what some school districts have done in terms of going from you know, some rather underperforming academic achievements amongst the students to being some of the most highly regarded school districts in their area. So it's really very, uh, very rewarding for us to be doing work across all of these different industries and all of these different segments and seeing really the same fundamental human drivers, um, which ultimately give you the results that you're looking for as an organization. Yeah, that's really awesome because I think this concept has such far reaching effects. This idea that um, if you create an environment where people feel good about what they're doing, they can see the purpose of what they're doing, they feel supported and uh, they're getting feedback and they feel connected to what they're doing um, on a daily basis that Mm -hmm. it can make a difference regardless of who the, you know, client in quotation marks is, whether it's a student or whether it's, uh, you know, somebody that you're serving as a nonprofit organization or whether it's, um, you know, a more traditional type setup that this makes a difference. I know um, teachers uh, that I personally know, that, you know, have to use personal funds to buy school supplies for their classes, you know, and you think about the issue there is not motivational, right? Like the person is not not caring about their job. That's not where the outcomes are coming from. It's that there are other structural things in the environment that are keeping them from be able to hit, being able to hit their goals. So, um, so really being able to tap into what is it that can take this to take this to the next level so that companies are investing in their employees in ways that they don't feel like they're putting their heart and soul into it, but the employer just doesn't care. Right. Um, and I think that that's really important. Yeah, those case studies are so powerful um, in terms of education and healthcare. I think that they could connect to anybody because people, everyone's been a student or have and have kids potentially that are students, and everyone has to go to a doctor and go through healthcare at some point in their lives, or family members, of course, do too. So seeing those kinds of results on the end, I would hope, would motivate a lot of employers and other people if they see those cases to to make changes, to make improvements in their organizations. No, for sure. Um, And if you want another uh, motivating factor that senior leaders are looking at today, if you dial back about 12 months from from now, uh, it really was the start of the Me Too movement. Uh, And you're seeing this big social wave of individuals finding their voice online, 
uh, and calling out inequity or, or calling out um, um, unfairness that they're seeing around them. Um, and so recently we've had walkouts at uh, Google, we've had um, uh, Facebook in the news for all of the wrong reasons. And uh, daily we're now seeing headlines of organizations where uh, employees from the inside are calling out what they perceive as bad behavior or flaws in the culture. So there's really a heightened sense of how important and how deeply cultural one, um, both from the C-suite, uh, so executive teams wanting to run the business day to day, and increasingly from boards of directors and investors who uh, understand that culture really is this invisible force uh, which can make or break organizations, uh, both small organizations and some very, very large ones, falling foul to deep cultural rifts that exist inside the organization and were left unaddressed or potentially were even caused by some of the bad behaviors uh, at the top. Yeah, that must be really interesting because, you know, the company was sort of really forward thinking in the time that it was founded. And just during the time since you started, you must have seen so many changes in technology. And when I think about um, this link between um you know, culture and transparency, I think about technology playing a big role. You know, the the Me Too movement is hashtag Me Too. You know, it caught on virally because people are able to share their stories in a much more public um, fashion. People are able to come forward and talk about their employment experiences, talk about their employers in a way that we just didn't have that kind of transparency and the ability to communicate. Even, um, you know, with the rise of being able to vid take videos that are so clear on a phone, right? So that these power dynamics are starting to shift somewhat in a way that is really holding people who are at tops of organizations who maybe in the past would have been able to kind of just quash uh, whatever it is that was going on that employees were caring about or keep it more secret, um, that these justice or inequity related conversations are coming to the fore. And, you know, you can have an issue arise one day and a couple hours later, it can be all over the internet and people can be talking about it. And what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Um, you look at Starbucks uh, with the um, folks that were kicked out of the coffee shop in Philadelphia. That mm -hmm. went viral within hours, you know, and people are looking to the leadership saying, hey, what are you going to do about this? Um, so I think that that dynamic has probably has created some really interesting um, changes in your business and the way that you talk to uh, folks about this because, you know, the power dynamics are shifting as uh, there's more power with the people in the organizations to show and tell about what's going on. Absolutely. Uh, and when you mentioned technology, that really is at the crux of this. Right? Technology can be empowering. It can be quite destructive. It can let people loose in kind of crazy ways. Um, and this is really what we have focused on. We understand the power of uh, of internet technology, um, of everybody having a phone at their disposal. Um, and so what Enigage is really focused on now is developing technology on the back of the 12 years of research that we have done on culture to say, well, how do we help you move the needle? Uh, and so for us, it's been a really insightful journey to learn how do we harness the power of these technologies so that we can both give employees a voice um, allow them to be heard and recognized, while at the same time, informing the senior leaders on what is going on inside your culture today. Right? What are the real positives that should be celebrated? 
how do you make that visible and shared to technology? How do you get people to connect with your culture? And how do you take the more negative aspects of what's going on inside your organization and productively funnel that up to the right people who can then help those employees uh, address it and navigate it, um, take those conversations offline? Because oftentimes, what can at first sound like axe grinding by a particular employee turns out to be really insightful um, really insightful points around what is wrong in the organization and what needs to get addressed quickly. So we are now deploying this as a SaaS platform across hundreds of organizations um, and the types of insights and progress that are being made by productively funding those conversations has been absolutely amazing. That's so exciting. Um, definitely new technologies and new platforms for employers and employees alike would have a huge impact. Um, so you said you're deploying this. Has it already deployed or yeah. is it something that you guys are currently working Ab on? Absolutely. So we have a platform called Engage Connect, um, which is being used inside organizations to make the culture very visible. So employees can, uh, when they see one of their colleagues doing something really cool or when they want to thank one of their colleagues, they can uh, burst that out onto what we call the culture wall make that very visible across the whole organization. And at the same time, if they have uh, concerns or issues that they want to escalate, they have a safe anonymous channel through which they can share these comments and senior leaders can then respond to the comments without knowing which individual employee it is. So they know they're going to get candid feedback. Um, and we are seeing operational issues being addressed. We are seeing personnel issues being addressed. Uh, we are seeing sometimes potentially legal issues getting addressed through this platform. Uh, and oftentimes we're just seeing kind of small things that are on the minds of employees, which make all the difference. Um, and they suddenly feel like they have a direct channel to their senior leadership. So we're breaking down the barriers, getting the organization connected up and down and across um, in a way which, um, uh, which really brings everybody into the fold. Uh, and makes it very manageable because we're dealing with very large amounts of feedback and, and conversation. Um, so it doesn't feel like it's completely driven from the top, although through this technology, uh, the senior leadership team can burst out questions and sort of pulse the organization. But it really drives a two-way dialogue and it feels a lot more like a, like a level playing field in terms of participation. I love that. Honestly, you see so many like recognition platforms where you can do the positive, but you don't see that um, that ability to critique and do so anonymously or bring up concerns. And I think that's huge. That's so important um, because as we were talking about earlier with the employees taking accountability and stepping up, I mean, this gives them a great platform to do that when there's areas of concern without feeling concerned about repercussions, but it also allows the employee to, to know that they're heard and that they're cared about, mm -hmm. that, you know, leadership understands that sometimes it's scary to come forward with a concern or with something that might be wrong with the culture or with their management team or whatever, but they still care enough to allow you to talk about it anonymously. So I think that's huge. That's really cool. I, that very interesting work. Yeah, we, we've, um, speaking of expectations, we now see many of our clients demonstrating this kind of technology to uh, potential applicants. Um, and, um, you know, people walk away pretty wide-eyed when they realize how transparent a culture it is. 
um, because the senior leadership is just opening, open to hearing all of these voices and all of these opinions. Not to say that they will act on every single suggestion or every single grudge that may be coming from their workforce. Um, but just knowing that you can uh, access the upper echelons of the organization, or for that matter, that you can uh, have issues addressed interdepartmentally. Um, performance itself, you know, as Doug was t talking earlier, the idea that you want to be part of a team that performs well is a massive driver of engagement. Um, red, red tape has well been proven to be one of the things that really, really frustrates people when you're just trying to get the job done. And so having that channel available to you is, is a game changer. Yeah, it kind of really cuts down on hierarchy structures and makes the organization feel more flat. Mm -hmm. um, I know, I don't know if you've ever seen that show, um, Undercover Boss, where, <laughs> uh, but I, everybody always thinks it's such a heartwarming show. And I think it's so depressing because it's just basically a show that says the CEO has no idea what's going on with anybody that works in lower levels of the organization until one day they are like forced to put a costume on and go down there and <laughs> talk to people. And, you know, I just think it's a depressing <laughs> state of affairs that there are so many people in charge of companies that just have no idea what the day-to-day -day lives are like for their employees. And I think that this tool that you're describing helps people to uh, break down those hierarchical boundaries that keep people from having dialogues and at least allows people to feel like they can flag things up. And there's a possibility that, you know, if there are enough people that are flagging up the same issue, that it'll get addressed. So I was also wondering, uh, Doug, if you could talk a little bit about as the CEO and founder of Energage, what are you doing? Um, you know, we're entrepreneurs. We're, we always love to talk to um, entrepreneurs. And uh, what are you doing to create a strong culture um, within your own company? So it's always interesting to hear about uh, what kind of a culture you're, you're, you're supporting and what sorts of things you're doing within Intergage to kind of reflect uh, some of the principles that you're putting out there for other organizations as well. Sure. So, so we do try to... Uh, to use our own tools and the expression we use internally is eat our own ice cream as opposed to eat our own dog food, which is a, not as a pleasant of a concept. <laughs> um, and we do start with alignment around our purpose. So we have our purpose of making the world a better place to work together on the wall of every conference room. And we make sure that we bring it up in the context of decisions that we're making or stories that we're telling our team about, uh, sales wins or customer wins or customer success wins. And, uh, and so that we have a, a weekly all hands meeting where we get the whole company together, uh, both in our cafe and, and over the, over, uh, the, uh, video chat. And so we, we share those stories to, to, to really connect everybody with, uh, where we make a difference in the world. And so that's around alignment. Um, we've got three values in our company, helpfulness, open-mindedness, and teamwork. And if you take those three values and, and kind of take the first letter, they come out as hot. And so we'll sell, we have hot nominations. We celebrate being hot. And being uh, – if somebody says you're hot at our company, that's not an HR violation. That's actually <laughs> a compliment. And so that's another element of that uh, air element of alignment. When it comes to connection, uh, that purpose is meaningful for, for our employees, but it's also around appreciation. So uh, one of the, the, the capabilities of our Connect tool is employees can just share appreciation for each other 
and it goes up on a culture wall. And so um, a lot of times IT is kind of the, the folks who get the least amount of thanks. I think on our culture wall, our IT department gets the most thanks because they really, people really are grateful and, and everybody can see when somebody from one department helps another or somebody uh, helps out another enter uh, uh, gauger. And so those are just a couple of the ways we, we, uh, we really seek to create our own culture. Um, the last one I'd mention is we use a, uh, one of our own tools called Coach for providing coaching to our employees and a structured discussion about their objectives, where they want to go, uh, lining that up with, with where the company wants to go. And uh, you mentioned earlier about autonomy and about people feeling like they uh, can kind of steer where their, their career is going. And so we've had a number of employees move from different roles in the companies through that coaching process because we surfaced uh, what their kind of what their dreams were and that we're able to to move them as we've grown into a position that better lined up with their passion. I love that. I love that you are eating your own ice cream. <laughs> um, I also love that phrase more than dog food. But um, it sounds like you've got a lot of really great things in place that the research would support and obviously all the work that you're su- doing is supporting as well. Um, so it's nice to see that you're implementing the same practices that you're recommending. I, I will say that we eat our own ice cream, but sometimes it is Rocky Road. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably pretty normal for any uh, company that's experiencing, you know, the your you're sort of having to respond to all the time, the changes in the economy and what companies are looking for and be, you know, reflexive and responsive uh, to that. So I think, I think Rocky Road's pretty normal, even for a company that's got a good culture uh, from that perspective. So I wouldn't feel too bad about that. (laughs) Thanks. Um, Yeah. So I'm wondering kind of what, what you see um, with the changing world of work and uh, you know, how, companies or the issues companies have been coming to you with, um, things that are keeping you up at night. Um, Doug, what do you see as the future of Energage being, or what are some things that you think issues or pressing issues on the horizon that uh, folks will have to grapple with from a culture perspective? So the, the workforce moving to being spread out all over the place, working from home, um, brings real challenges to creating a great culture. And so that movement has been happening for some time, uh, but we're seeing more and more of that. And we mentioned the four different imperatives, align, connect, uh, coach, and perform. In some respects, being able to get some time to work in sort of deep work at home allows you to individually perform uh, you know, potentially better than you might in an office environment. But on the, the topic of connecting with your employees, it's a lot harder to do that uh, without the face-to-face, um, in-person kind of communication. So we see that challenge continuing, and we see technology really providing a, uh, a method to, to better connecting with, um, with your fellow employees. The other thing I'd say is that, that technology has fundamentally changed the way we, we interact with each other outside of work. And, you know, I've got uh, I've got three kids who are all in their young 20s, and uh, they spend an awful lot of time, you know, interacting with each other over their cell phones. Uh, with the, and that's kind of the world outside of work. At work, we're more victims of our technology than we are masters of it. In that email and Slack, and we're all trying to catch up with those emails, and 
And so it has had some insidious impacts on culture where people can feel more isolated because of technology than connected with it. So the big trend I see in where Energage is going is to be is to use technology to be intentional about culture, to ensure that, that the culture that you're creating uh, with technology is what is going to drive for a better workplace, not a worse one. And so we've got, uh, and we're really excited about where we're headed across those 15 drivers of culture and applying technology to, to improve workplaces and culture in those, in those areas. That's awesome. Sounds like you have a lot of good stuff going on. And um, I know, Patricia, you've talked before on the podcast about working remotely because you work remotely. So um, that's a topic that's near and dear to your heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it definitely is. How did you know where I was going with this? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that I work from home and I definitely can see how um, technology can keep us disconnected in the sense of using just emails and IMs and things to communicate instead of picking up the phone and talking to somebody um, can sometimes make you feel a little bit isolated. But then I also see, like you were saying, that technology can really help improve that connection from being remote. You know, I am in California. I'm all of my team is on different time zones in Dallas and Florida, all over the country. And ways that we deal with it is we, you know, we use video conferencing, video calls very intentionally. We do, um, we've even done like video happy hours, which sounds silly, but it's really fun. You know, everyone has their own beverage of choice in the afternoon and we all get on and we can just chat about things that are not work related. So we really get to know each other and kind of continue to build um, a team culture through technology that wasn't available, you know, 10, 15 years ago to really, um, facilitate that that connection so I think that there's exactly what you're saying I think there's a lot of challenges with being remote but I think that there are a lot of ways to leverage technology to make it intentional and helpful and continue to drive a positive culture even when you're not physically located in the same place so is there anything else that you want to bring up before we get to our final fun question uh, anything about your work or anything that you think you haven't mentioned so far about Energage that you would want our listeners to know? Well, I, I, you know, I think one thing that, that's worth pointing out, uh, Energage works with 50 different media partners around the country uh, to run the Top Workplaces program. So this is a workplace appreciation program. And we invite organizations to uh, put their hat in the ring and essentially kind of pressure test their culture using the survey uh, the program is completely free to participate, and we, we um, partner with organizations like the Washington Post and the Chicago Tribune, the Boston Globe, the Dallas Morning News. Um, this really is a great opportunity for organizations who are interested in this particular topic. Um, I would say that we are seeing a, an acceleration now of organizations that understand that this is an evolving dynamic in the workplace. In fact, we're seeing in many regions of the country in the data that employees are being tougher in grading their employers. So expectations of employees is getting higher. Uh, Part of the pressure there is, you know, we have very low unemployment rates and there are employers who are differentiating themselves as a place to work by creating much more positive cultures. And I'm not talking about perks here, I'm talking about just great work environments which bring out the best in people. Organizations that are being left behind in this transition are having to pay a pretty high premium to hold on to people. 
Um, and that's only going to get worse um, you know, as the unemployment rate's going down. We're seeing workplace participation numbers dipping. Um, so if, uh, part, if some of your listeners are interested in this, I would say go to topworkplaces.com. Take a look there at the program. And we'd encourage you to join us um, as part of this. 50,000 organizations to date have, have taken part in this program and really benefited from gaining an insight to what's going on currently within their organizations. Yeah, that's a great call out. Um, definitely think that a lot of organizations should be taking advantage of this. I know that previous employees of mine have. Um, so I personally have taken the survey and I think that um, it's a really great opportunity for organizations to understand where they where they fall in a lot of these areas. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a good call that's out. Great. So let's... Mm-hmm end with our fun question. Um, so what we had written out, so hopefully you're prepared, was what is the one perk or benefit that you need to have on the job to feel like it's a good place to work for you? Like your top thing that you need to have. Fraser, you want to start? No, I want Doug to go first. (laughs) (laughs) Doug, what's yours? So I'm going to give you two answers. Um, the, The most important thing to me about uh, actually to feel like it's a top place to work is about having a, a purpose that I can really get behind and get excited about. And, and ours is certainly that. The most important perk for me is really good, high quality coffee. That's, <laughs> that's as good as a perk can get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, we enjoy some of, some of the kind of uh, perky trappings at Engage. Uh, we do have a ping pong table for sure, and we do use it uh, quite a bit. We do have the beer fridge. Um, we have lots of snacks and free food, but that's not really what brings us back day after day. Um, I think this might be a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. Uh, for me, what, what really counts is the people that you work with day in and day out. Um, and we just have a really fantastic team at Engage, uh, just folks that you, you'd love to hang out with and and uh, spar with and exchange ideas with. Um, and when you're on this kind of a journey of building an organization, having a leader like Doug, uh, having a senior leadership team as we do at Engage, which is just very passionate, and having a whole team who are really really tied to the mission, um, that just you know just makes it a joy to come to work every day and be part of that team and, and go out there to win. That's awesome. Well, those are really good takeaways. And uh, yeah, definitely people are important. But if you can have people, really great people, plus really good coffee, plus a beer fridge and a game <laughs> of ping pong, it sounds like you're doing it right. That's, so, that's a winning uh, formula, yeah. <laughs> yeah, winning formula. <laughs> so thank you so much, both of you, for being here. Uh, we really have learned a ton. We know our listeners have learned a ton as well. Um, thank you so much. And uh, for those of you who uh, have not yet done so, check out Energage, a uh, great company doing awesome stuff in the culture space and making workplaces better places to be. So thank you so much for being yes. here. Thank, thank you. you much, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you again to Fraser and Doug for joining us. If you want to learn more about Energage, you can find them at Energage.com. And also, um, as Fraser mentioned, you can find more information about their program at topworkplaces.com. 
And we'd also love to hear from you, the listeners, on what you thought of today's episode. And um, if you have any feedback or any you know interesting stories about your workplace, we'd always love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on our website, workerbeing.com. You can email us at workerbeing at gmail.com and find us on social media at workerbeing. Thanks for listening. Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. 